You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, and welcome to Form Now. I'm Taylor Kemp, and with me is Dr. Elizabeth Klein, a uh, professor of theology here at the Graduate School of Theology. Welcome, Thanks. Dr. Klein. Uh, today we are talking about St. Anthony of Egypt, also known as St. Anthony the Great. We celebrate his feast on January 17th. Uh, before we get into just some very general information about him, Dr. Klein, would you like, do you have any introductory remarks? Sure. I mean, I'm really happy to talk about St. Anthony because St. Anthony, often when we say St. Anthony now, people think of St. Anthony of Padua, yeah. but this St. Anthony is the original St. Anthony the Great, and he really was like an all-star, incredibly popular saint of the early church, one of the most well-known saints. Uh, and so it's good to be able to talk to him and tell people a little bit why it why is. he was so, and so people popular. people may be surprised that he was so popular because you, uh, well, for one, you can read about him. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about today comes from a document uh, written by St. Athanasius called The Life of Anthony. You can Google this, you can find PDFs online, um, but you can find it and, and, and read it for yourself. But he lived a very radical life. <laughs> So it's kind of surprising that people read this and uh, not surprising they're inspired by it, surprising that they it was a popular piece of literature. And it's, it's interesting, you know, it, <clears throat> kind of in each stage of history, you know, people need heroes. And it is really reflective of the time or of the spirit to look at who those heroes were and why they were so heroic. You know, in mm -hmm. the earliest period, a lot of the greatest heroes were martyrs. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you move out of the period of martyrdom, then in the next period of Christianity, really the greatest heroes, the ones who were most famous, are monastics. Mm. Uh, and often very radical monastics doing ascetic practices that sometimes make us raise mm. an eyebrow. So it is something, I think, beautiful and interesting to reflect on what was the heroic quality mm -hmm. of that person's life that attracted so many people to them. Yeah, I like it that... God is always putting calls on people's hearts to respond radically to the gospel, but the the form that that always takes, uh, it can change over mm -hmm. time. So I like that a lot, and, and it kind of begs the question of, you know, what does that look like for us today, which uh, hopefully we will get into. So um, St. Anthony was born in Egypt. He was born to a moderately wealthy family, it seems. Um, this was around 251 AD, and he dies in 356 AD, so at the ripe old age of 105. Um uh, he lost both of his parents by the time he was somewhere between 18 and 20-ish uh, and was just left with a sister. Um, and then let's let's pick the story up there. So he's a young man. Right. So he's the story is in the life of St. Anthony that he comes in, it seems a little late, a late to mass, late mm -hmm. to church. So he's yeah. not actually, you know, necessarily the, the most uh, punctual church attender. He <laughs> comes in at the proclamation of the gospel and mm -hmm. hears our Lord's words, go and sell everything you, that you have. Uh, and he's very compelled by these words. So a similar story to St. Francis of Assisi. He's mm -hmm. very convicted by these words uh, and decides to to take the Lord at his word. Mm. Uh, he makes sure there's provision for his sister. It seems mm -hmm. like she's in a community of women, uh, sells all the properties of family, sells everything, and then just kind of sets about trying to live yeah. a holy life. Like he doesn't necessarily know where to start. He, he goes around and kind of hears about other holy people mm -hmm. and what they're doing and meets with them and asks their advice. Um, so that's kind of the beginning of his journey. And then he makes this radical decision to withdraw into the desert. And that's really what makes Anthony famous mm -hmm. is that he is um, possibly, or people think he's the first one to have done this, mm -hmm. to decide to sort of leave, leave the city behind, uh, go out into this desert place uh, to 
live a radical Christian life. Yeah. And and what the story really is a lot about is to do battle with the devil. And so yeah. there's really um, a model of our Lord uh, withdrawing into the desert to mm-hmm. face face the devil on his own territory. It's a really um, fun line in the life of St. Anthony where the devil complains about Anthony coming into his territory. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he says mm. that this monk is going to make the desert a city. Mm. Um because of his devotion uh, and that he will draw more people to his holy way of life. So thinking about that, I mean, it's an interesting to think about that line that the devil saying that St. Anthony is coming into his territory. And and as you mentioned, we think of our Lord who goes into the desert and does battle with Satan there. So what is it about the desert? um, I don't know, that welcomes this battle. What is it that makes it a place uh, where it, you know, Satan says, that's, that's my space? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, that's a really interesting question. And I think I've actually watched a couple modern takes on living the life of St. Anthony. One was from an Anglican priest who decided to live like Anthony for three mm. days. Mm. Uh, another, uh, was a really beautiful example. His name is Father Lazarus, who's a Coptic monk who lives on St. Anthony's mountain. Mm-hmm. And you can YouTube them, watch videos of them talking about, uh, what, why battling with the devil? Yeah. What is, what is out there? Um, and you know, Father Lazarus says really what's out there is yourself, uh, Yeah. you know, and, and that is where the temptations can be seen for what they are. Mm-hmm. Cause when you're in the city and you know, there's a really nice, nice meal set in front of you or whatever, you might think, well, I should do this for the sake of my guests, or I need to do this for the sake of my job or whatever. Or there are all kinds of complex motivations that you can't necessarily single out. Oh no, this desire is coming from, you know, yeah. um, pride or is coming from greed. And this desire is a good desire. They're often very conflicted. Mm-hmm. But if you go out to the desert and say, I'm going to live for Christ alone, I'm going to dedicate myself to prayer and fasting. It's, it's very easy suddenly to see mm-hmm. the temptations. And that's what happens in a very dramatic fashion with Anthony. Yeah. So, you know, when Anthony's headed out into the desert, uh, he sees gold, mm-hmm. you know, laying, oh, all yeah. o- laying all over the place. Uh, and it's, a, it's just a funny kind of a beautiful way of setting forth that image of going into the desert. All of a sudden you see money for what it is, mm-hmm. right? It's just an illusion. Yeah. It's just there's nothing, there, there's no draw for him anymore once he's mm-hmm. made that, that radical choice. Yeah, uh, I like that that story too because he says that he I think it says that he ran over it like it was hot coals or something. <laughs> this illusion of gold, um, but yeah, there's definitely you you know I've never retreated into the desert for lengthy periods of time, but you can imagine just the stripping away of just everything, which would just leave you alone with yourself, with God, with with um, the enemy in some some respects. But um, there is something where I think in all of us there's a desire to like let everything kind of melt away that does like assail us where it is difficult when you're when you're living your life and you're faced with different circumstances to to actually really get a uh, an honest stock of like what are my motivations for why am I doing this like uh, well I have to support my family or I have to yeah like do something for work I have to blah 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 and <clears throat> there's just something very appealing terrifying in the same sense, obviously to retreat into the desert, but there's something very appealing at face value of like, yeah, I would love to silence out like just so much noise. And then, I mean, this, this tradition is carried on in small ways where there's lots of Catholics who go on silent retreats yeah. or go away for a set period of time. There are many, many saints who don't do the extreme Anthony thing where they go mm-hmm. to the desert forever, but many saints have a period where they withdraw. Yeah. You know, St. Benedict had a period mm-hmm. where he withdrew by himself before he founded his community. St. Catherine um, of mm-hmm. Siena had a period where she was a hermit. 
Uh, and so it, you know, and this is on the example of our Lord who did the same thing after his baptism before mm-hmm. the starting of his public ministry. He had a period where, uh, you know, he withdrew. And so even though not, you know, most of us are not going to withdraw into the desert and make the desert a city, I think that that tradition of the Saint, of St. Anthony really lives on in, in even sort of everyday Catholic yeah. spirituality. So what would that, um, when, when we are, uh, I like the example of there's certain things like silent retreats uh, that people can go on today, but what are some ways where we can try to imitate St. Anthony by, in a sense, you know, shutting out the world, not... Not for the sake of completely leaving the world behind. Uh, that's that's not certainly the call for everybody, though it could be the call for some. But um, what what can we do to try to model him in in um, closing out a lot of the noise, uh, trying to enter into the interior battle that we see so uh, beautifully documented. Um, yeah, what what could that look like for some of us today? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess some aspects of Anthony's life that are are kind of easy things to you know, emulate or maybe not easy to emulate, but easy to picture is his reliance on the holy lives of other people. That, yeah. And he says that, you know, there's a, a line in the life of St. Anthony where whenever someone comes to ask him for advice and what they should do, uh, he tells them uh, that they should pray, that they should, uh, you know, meditate on the law of the Lord uh, in the morning and sing mm-hmm. hymns at night, and that they should meditate on the lives of the saints. Um, and that's, you know, that's advice that anyone can follow. Yeah, you know, obviously, Anthony followed it in a very extreme way. Yeah. Uh, but that's really advice that anyone can follow to you know meditate on the law of the Lord in the morning and the Psalms in the evening yeah. and, and the lives of the saints. Um, and Anthony, I think one aspect of this withdrawing into the desert and having absolutely nothing is this radical trust in God mm-hmm. that I think for those of us who aren't going to go into the desert, Anthony can be an inspiration for us in what he did and in, in having and having nothing mm-hmm. uh, that there are times in our life that we feel we don't have anything. Mm-hmm. We don't have any control over a particular situation or right. we don't have anything left to give when we're at the end of our rope. Uh, and what St. Anthony's life teaches us more than anything is that prayer and trust in the Lord is the only way to overcome those situations because he has this really intense story in the life of St. Anthony where he's kind of sealed in like this tomb for a mm-hmm. time and he's assaulted by the devil and by the, all of these, you know, yeah. visions. You can, there's lots of, this is a popular topic in sort of Western art, this temptation of St. Anthony. Um, but he, he defeats it by prayer mm-hmm. and and he said, and he has this this uh, one thing he says to the devil is that, you know, if you could have injured me, you would have done so already. Hmm. Uh, and so to to be able to look at, to be able to look at everything in the world and say, like, if there was something that could have destroyed my faith, it would have done it already. Hmm. You know, and and that and then that that sort of for Anthony breaks the illusions yeah. of what these problems these problems he's facing are and that radical trust in God is really i think what's shown by this withdrawal uh, yeah. into the desert and, and i think it's worth talking about too the um you know cuz sometimes especially when i've i've know some friends who have looked at like the catholic practices of fasting and it's like well what's the point of just denying yourself or what's the point of of putting yourself through something in a voluntary fashion and i think you could look at saint anthony and say you know kind of what what are you doing denying yourself like all comfort all community uh, earthly community um and and it's good to remember that it's it's for something that is actually positive in a sense like when when we are fasting we are preparing ourselves opening up a space in ourselves to receive more of whatever God is wanting to give us, 
um, and to discipline our bodies and to remind ourselves that the spiritual things are more important than the temporal things. And I think we can see in St. Anthony this uh, just such a desire and love of God that he's like, I'll do anything to, to, yeah, to discipline my body, to put away everything else so that like, Lord, you're the one thing. And there is a kind of um, the heroic aspect that I think that appealed to a lot of people in Anthony's time uh, is that that like a- almost athletic quality that often yeah. compare monastics to athletes. Uh, and if you think about the kinds of things we valorize now, you know, people going on diets mm-hmm. and yeah. exercising and training for a marathon and doing these forms of self denial yeah. for the purpose of winning the race. Like this yeah, is a kind of an analogy yeah. with Paul, it, it, right? Yep. Where they looked at these as the, as heroic athletes for the Lord who mm-hmm. were, were doing an intense form of training yeah. for the spiritual Olympics. It's that, so true. You know, we, a... we know not everybody is going to go to the spiritual Olympics, but like, <laughs> th- but they're inspiring, yeah, right? Yeah. Those people who make that, that commitment to show us, um, what it really looks like yeah. to live a kind of undivided life. And you mentioned him giving up community, which is which is an interesting aspect of the story because and the one he goes out into the desert all mm-hmm. by himself, uh, but inevitably holy people as a sign mm-hmm. of God's grace, they draw people to themselves. Yeah. So Anthony goes out by himself and he draws other monks who want to live yeah. like him. And all of a sudden he has a community out there in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And that's why the devil complains that he's made the desert a city. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, and the to recognize too that even though he is going out alone and he does eventually draw other people to him, but that he's not in a sense going out entirely for absolute um, solitude, that he he is going away from people, but um, he's going for communion with God and communion with the saints. So he's not alone in that fashion, which I just think is, is when we think of the Christian life, we think of it as a communal venture, uh, which it is. And, and St. Anthony has not departed from that truth. He's living it out in a, I guess, a different way you would say, but through the community of the community of saints, um, and for the sake of communion with God. And I think if you listen to, you know, even like kind of modern hermits or people who've lived this, this kind of life, talk about it, they see this withdrawal as for the sake of the church mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and praying and praying for Gosh, the church. Yeah. And, so important. and so that, I think that's something also to reflect on yeah. when we do something that's difficult or contradictory to what other people expect or to whether other people think is even any good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is difficult to do those things for the sake of the church, but th- this is also well, our Lord who was, you know, People fled from him mm-hmm. at the cro- at the foot of the cross. There wasn't a whole lot of people left, uh, yeah. and you know his his communion ended up being basically like two convicts, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. who were, were accompanying him. Uh, and that, but that was for the sake of the world, right? That yes. withdrawal from it the world was for point. the sake of the world. It makes me think of Saint Therese, how she has that really famous line where she says, "I'll do far more good in heaven than on earth." But it's just this counterintuitive sense of like. Yeah, there's we we know of cloistered monks, cloistered nuns, and we're like, well, you know, it's easy to look at their life and be like, well, what is what is that for? What good is that doing? And it's like, well, the in the reality of prayer, which is so much more powerful than often much that we can do, so to speak, with our hands. Both are important, but um, and then I I've always loved that by Saint Therese that she's you know we think that someone's life ends and it's like oh what a what a tragedy what a loss they they're no longer able to participate in life as we so know them. And Therese is like, what are you talking about? I'll be able to do way more to help the church in heaven than I will on earth. And, and you can look at St. Anthony saying, I'm going to do way more for the church by going out into the desert, battling the devil, disciplining myself, giving people a new model for holiness in a way, 
um, than I could if I would have stayed in the city and who knows what would have come of him there. Now, this is reminding me of uh, this, a novel called In This House of Breed that's about um, contemplative cloistered nuns. Uh, and there's a line in there where, you know, I think it's maybe the queen or a government official who says someone should give those women something to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's but it's really beautiful in the story that the, how their life of their life of prayer affects so many. Uh, and mm. there's a number of beautiful stories in there that are actually at least one of them is based on the author's own experience of a nun praying for her daughter awesome. um, yeah. and was part of her c conversion. So, uh, yeah. I, and, that, and it's that 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 life, the contemplative life or, or something like St. Anthony. Uh, it really is a, a sign of contradiction. There's it something is a sign of yeah. uh, something about our Lord's the evangelical councils and following them that it it makes the gospel visible in a way mm -hmm. that the live that are like we can live the evangelical councils in our married mm -hmm. lives, but there's a way that it makes it visible in mm -hmm. a life of someone like Saint Anthony that isn't is an essential sign really. I think it's an yeah. essential sign of the church's renewal, and that's why we we've always had the consecrated life. Um, as this this essential witness, I think, and I think it's a sign of contradiction that people like the story <laughs> that they read. I mean, seriously, you're just like this is crazy, you know. But you read it, and there's just this like this deep, I feel like uh, heroic desire to live a radical mm. life. And you you read the lives of the saints, you read life of Saint Anthony, and you're like, oh my gosh, he did it! Like you're like, it's possible. And it's that's possible. A, this story. So speaking of the fame of this story, it was translated into Latin very quickly, disseminated throughout the West. And there's a famous part of Augustine's Confessions that involves yes. this story. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, right before his big conversion moment under the tree, you know, he hears the voices of children. He's told this series of stories, and one of them is of two men going into um, like a house, mm -hmm. and the life of Saint Anthony is open on the on the table, and they read it, and they say, "Why not us?" Mm. Yeah. You know, why, what are we doing with mm -hmm. our lives that this man could give up, forsake everything for Christ? Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the final push for Augustine. And why we have Augustine. Like, you know, why we have him is is this life. And so it's it's interesting because Augustine didn't actually live the, exactly this kind of yeah. life. He didn't, he didn't withdraw to the desert. But the radical nature of Anthony's call and his res generous response to God is a heroic example that inspired other people to say, like, here I am, wishy-washy, I don't even want to be yeah. baptized, you know, and there's this person who has given everything to yeah. God in this heroic act of charity, and it's just, it's inspiring, and so he he changes his life. Yeah, and that, like, everyone can do that in terms of we can surrender whatever we have been given, whatever God has given us, we can surrender that, and then uh, he can outline this path for us. Like you said, like, Augustine didn't do what Anthony did. He heard Anthony's life, was like, that's awesome. I want to do something like that. But then he, he com had a completely different life. He was forced to be made a bishop. Yes. Very different than Anthony. Um, but for us too, it's like we can hear this and, and be like, yeah, like, Lord, I want that. I want to be a saint. And he's like, okay, great. I can work with that. Like, let's figure out how that's going to look for a married person, for a non-married, like whoever it may be. So um, it's awesome. So I, I thought it would be good. There, there was a couple, I had three little points that I pulled out that uh, of lessons that we can learn uh, from St. Anthony. So I could list those and if you want to add a little sure, bit of commentary. Good. But um, I really loved his his seeking out others who had virtue and holiness. I think that's just a great thing for us that when we have people in our life that we admire, that you look at them, you're like, they have a they have a virtue, they have a holiness level that I really love. Go spend time with them, like talk to them. Um, St. Anthony does that. Any comments? Sounds good. Okay, moving along. Uh, the other one that I love so much, and Augustine had this, is is an openness to the word of God to receive it as what it is, which is God's words to us, but to each individual person. Mm -hmm. St. Anthony heard the words 
that Jesus spoke to the rich young man, uh, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and then come follow me. And he received that as speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the relationship that many of us need to constantly return to when we read scripture mm-hmm. is like the Lord is speaking to us. He and that's, has yeah, and that's an, I didn't think about this until right now, but that's a really interesting inter- overlap with Augustine's story, right? Yeah. Because he heard the life of Anthony and then he himself opened the scriptures mm-hmm. and heard, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh and took that as yeah. speaking directly to him. And it's the moment of conversion, which is awesome. And then uh, just the last is the, the interior battle that St. Anthony... Uh, in a really radical way, shows us the importance of the interior life, the invisible, uh, well, it was visible in many ways in his life, but <laughs> the interior battle and the importance of it. And and for us, that is uh, the life of prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and a real commitment to living these things out, which are acts of the will, especially early on. Like we have to choose those and it, we have to choose them again and again and again. And um, and Anthony did that. He he just chose to say. He looked at the world and he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way." And this uh, elevated him to a incredible union with God. And now he's a great saint. Um, and for us, is, is just a witness to the importance of the interior life uh, into a life of prayer. Yeah, and I think something Saint Anthony does that's very inspiring and can be inspiring for everyone is that when he sees a temptation, he just says no mm-hmm. and prays. You know and and to have that that clarity, sometimes you don't have the clarity, but when you have the clarity to recognize something as mm-hmm. coming from the enemy, uh, to to be able to say mm-hmm. no uh, and to to pray for God's intercession uh, in that moment, I think it's just very powerful. And is it is it? I don't know if you remember this, but seeing it, I don't know if it's Anthony or if it's Saint Benedict who like threw himself into the bush. That was Saint Benedict. Okay, so there's that, <laughs> and there's um, I don't I don't know if it's Saint Benedict too, but sometimes the best thing we can do is run away from. <laughs> temptations. Yes. Uh, but I feel like St. Anthony, when he, there's the gold and he says, I ran over it like it was hot coals. Like he also had the wherewithal to look at a temptation and not like, uh, <laughs> hold on, like stay there a little while. He just like, he's like, he says no. And he's like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to linger, which is a good lesson uh, for us today. So thank you very much. Thanks. Dr. Klein. Uh, we are praying for all of you. Pray that St. Anthony is a great uh, inspiration for all of us to respond with, um, I don't know, heroic, <laughs> desire for love of God. Uh, We thank you so much. We will see you next time. God bless. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, eBooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.